The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hello, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto, and I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thank you for joining me. We have a great show coming up today. I'm looking forward to it, and I hope you are, too. I've been promoting breastfeeding for over 30 years. When I got the opportunity to have my own show on the radio, I asked myself, what's the purpose of my show? And just as importantly, why have I spent all of these years in maternal child nursing? Why do I wake up in the morning and promote breastfeeding? The answer is always the same. I believe that babies were born to be breastfed. And in those 30-plus years, I found myself clarifying the facts for literally thousands of women. I want to empower women to breastfeed their babies. But that often feels like a monumental job because the woman herself often tells me, I'm going to try to breastfeed. I'm very puzzled by that statement. When the woman says, I'm going to try to breastfeed, there's a strong implication that she doesn't actually believe she is capable of breastfeeding. Now, such seeds of self-doubt are planted by society, but have no basis in fact. I'm here to tell you three things. First, Women can and do exclusively breastfeed for as long as they and their babies choose, and you can too. Second, that the mother's natural instinct is to suckle her child, but that's often thwarted by the system level or the society level. And finally, that the mother is the only person on the planet who has the power to provide a miracle food for her baby. So let's start with my first point. Women can breastfeed for as long as they and their baby choose. I really believe that. Now, might that seem a little idealistic? Is that a reality for some or perhaps all or maybe nearly all women? Yes. It is most certainly a reality that is achievable. Now, stay with me for a minute while I make a case for three facts to support that. First, breasts are for breastfeeding. Second, that with rare exception, all women can and do lactate after giving birth. And third, that the woman's entire body, not just her breast, is built for giving life and life-giving nourishment to her baby. So let's take a look at all three of those statements that I just made. Yes, breasts are for breastfeeding. That's right. Those things on the front of women's chests are not for decorative purposes. They are for functional purposes. Mammary glands, breasts, are so important to the survival of the species that biologist Carolus Linnaeus recognized them when naming our class of animals, quote, mammals. The breast is specially designed to produce a life-giving fluid, milk. 
The lactating mother serves as her infant's sole source of nutrition and immunologic support. There's the part that many people don't fully grasp. Well, shucks, I'm not actually sure that I fully grasp. But human milk is really more than food. It is food, I'll give you that. But it's more than food. Human milk is a way for the mother to serve as her infant's remote control, if you will. A remote control of an immune system until the baby has a fully functioning immune system. After giving birth, physiologic changes cause the woman's breast to lactate. So my second point, all women can and do lactate. Often, though, I hear, oh, yes, breast is best, but what about those women who can't breastfeed? Ah, stop right there. Who exactly are these women who can't breastfeed? And what exactly does the phrase can't breastfeed really mean? First, it's important to understand that breastfeeding is the act of suckling the infant. And lactating means that the breasts fill with milk. Those are two different things. Breastfeeding is a voluntary act. Lactating is a physiologic process that normally occurs after the placenta is delivered. But If the intended meaning of this can't question is to imply that a woman cannot lactate after she gives birth, that is a high, high improbability. Now, to be fair, I have seen and often helped women who are unable to produce enough milk to provide the sole source of food for their infants. Most definitely, yes. I have done that. So I would readily agree that I've seen mothers who, through no fault of their own, have been advised to work against their bodies rather than working with their bodies. And sure enough, with poor information and a lack of support, they produce a low volume of milk. But the inability to lactate after giving birth is, I think, a fairly rare circumstance. If the question is being raised about women who, quote, can't lactate in the sense of being biologically or physiologically incapable, I think that is likely to be a very, very small number of women. And why do I think that? Well, What do you think the cavewoman would have done if she were one of those could-not-breastfeed women or if she did not have enough milk? Did she go down to the local grocery store and pick up a case of formula? No, because there was no grocery store and there was no formula. So... If there actually were a substantial number of women who could not produce enough milk to feed their babies, the human race would not have survived. In more than 30 years, I have rarely, rarely met a woman who could not produce enough milk if she was working with her body. I have met many women who have thought they don't have enough milk, and many women who actually don't have enough milk. But when they actually have enough help, they can produce enough milk. So, with a clear understanding that breasts are for breastfeeding and the survival of this species is dependent on the mother's ability to feed her young, we can all rest assured that unless the woman has a double mastectomy or some serious pathology, now I'm talking serious pathology, it's highly unlikely that she can't breastfeed. The third point I'd like to make 
is that the in- woman's entire body is built for the childbearing cycle. It's important that women understand what I mean by the childbearing cycle. Stay with me for a moment here while I use a few terms that you might not have heard. When I was a young nurse, we talked about conception, gestation, partuition, lactation. Now, as you know, conception means to become pregnant. Gestation means to carry or to bear, literally. Partuition, now there's a word I haven't heard in a while. Partuition means the act or the process of giving birth, what we would probably nowadays call labor and delivery. And lactation means that secretion from the breast. Now, call me old, but I always insist on talking about conception, gestation, partuition, lactation, because it conveys that cyclical nature of the woman's biological capabilities. Now, when we started using the terms conception, pregnancy, labor, and breastfeeding, they all sounded disconnected. And eventually, they all became disconnected. We all know that these days, women can have sexual intercourse without conceiving. And they can conceive without having sexual intercourse. A pregnancy can be terminated after the conception. Labor does not necessarily follow the pregnancy. The most recent data, 2011, shows that over 30% of babies are born by cesarean delivery, as opposed to, are you ready for this, 4.5% in 1965. But there is one thing that medical science has actually not discontinued connected from the childbearing cycle, and that is lactation. Now, women may or may not choose to breastfeed. I get that. But lactation will occur after the baby is born. The breasts will fill with milk after the baby is born. It will happen. So tell me, Do you know of anyone whose breasts did not fill with milk after the baby was delivered? No? You can't think of anyone? No one at all? That's because the woman's body is built to undergo the childbearing cycle over and over again. Conception, gestation, partuition, lactation. That's the way it was meant to be. After the baby is weaned and the hormonal, the lactational hormones are no longer elevated, what happens? The woman becomes fertile, and the entire cycle starts over again. Conception, gestation, partuition, lactation. Conception, gestation, partuition, lactation. The female body was pre-programmed for this recurring cycle. Women who say they are going to try to breastfeed need to understand that the try mentality isn't really helpful. Women must believe in themselves. I can't imagine how many times I've said to women I've worked with, women have breastfed for thousands of years and you can too. I've said that probably hundreds, maybe thousands of times. So what's all of the try language all about? Does this qualify as negative self-talk? Is it possible that in talking about trying to breastfeed, women are really giving themselves the message that they might not be successful? Do women say that they are going to try to graduate from college? No. They set a goal for themselves, and they assume they are going to achieve it. Sure, they work at it. But if you ask them where they are going to college and what they are majoring in, they will tell you, and if given the opportunity, they'll tell you when they are going to graduate. They don't say they're going to try to graduate. Here's another one. Honestly, 
I don't mean to sound crass, but women don't say they're going to try to have sex. I've never heard somebody say that. Who says I'm going to try to have sex? Unless they have some serious physical or psychological pathology, women assume that their bodies are built for having sex. They assume that they'll enjoy the experience, and they pursue a relationship where, in fact, they successfully, happily have sex. Such a relationship, such a life-changing experience is predicated on the woman's assumption that she can and will be successful. Hence, a woman should realize that she is not a piece of machinery that may or may not be fully functional. A woman should recognize that she is a perfectly built masterpiece. Breasts are for breastfeeding. With rare exception, the human species has survived for thousands of years because women can and do lactate after birth. And, in fact, the woman's entire physiology is built for the constant repetition of the cycle. Conception, gestation, partuition, lactation. And in short, women are built for breastfeeding. And babies were born to be breastfed. I'll give you just a few minutes to think about what we've just said during this segment and ask you to stay tuned for what's coming up. I'll be talking about women not following their instincts. I'm Marie Biancuto with Breast Born to be Breastfed. We'll be back after this short break. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you stuck, feeling frustrated or overwhelmed? Do you keep putting off your dreams until tomorrow? Is your to-do list growing while time keeps shrinking? Are your closets and cupboards crammed, but your life still feels empty? Join soul coach and vitality expert Amy Dufresne each week for Vital Lessons, feeding your body, mind, and soul. Amy and her expert guests will help you to clear out the clutter and inject more joy into your life. Be inspired to keep going and create the life you crave. Listen Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. In the early 1970s, Derek Jelliff said that breast is best, and that's phase stuck. Now, more than 40 years later, Ask just about any well-educated woman in America what feeding method is best for her baby, and she'll tell you that breast is best. So if women know that breast is best, why exactly do they end up feeding their infants with formula, or perhaps partially formula feeding? I posit that all or nearly all reasons for formula boil down to just one thing. We live in a society where there are a number of influences— those seen and unseen, that cause women to fight off their natural instincts to breastfeed. 
Some of those are their early experiences, their families, their uh, and the healthcare providers. Let's start with the woman's own early experiences with breastfeeding. Research has shown that the first time that the woman, perhaps the young girl, sees someone breastfeeding, it has an impact on her own decision about breastfeeding. If she and another woman breastfeeding, if she sees another woman breastfeeding, and the woman and her baby appear to have an easy reciprocal relationship, and if breastfeeding looks happy and natural, the woman who is observing is likely to form a favorable opinion of breastfeeding. And she's highly likely to choose breastfeeding for herself and for her baby, even if she doesn't have her own baby until many years later. In my experience, no research here, just some observations, women who have grown up on a farm or those who have seen pets or other animals happily suckling their young, they are likely to have a very favorable impression of breastfeeding, and they tend to choose breastfeeding and to do very well breastfeeding their own babies. Definitely, these early experiences influence a woman's decision. If her early experiences or observations are positive, her instinct to breastfeed the baby will be reinforced. But to the contrary, if a woman has an early experience viewing breastfeeding as difficult or unhappy or indiscreet or otherwise negative, she will not want to breastfeed. And by the way, this is not just me talking here. This is based on research. Similarly, even if she hasn't actually observed another woman breastfeeding, she is highly influenced by her friends and family members. Let me give you one of my favorite examples here. As a nurse, I've learned that the best way to influence a woman's decision is to start out by finding out what her objection is. So I will ask her, what have you heard about breastfeeding? And how many times have I heard the response, it makes your nipples sore? I never know how to respond to that. I really want to snap, look, if breastfeeding was supposed to make your nipples sore, no one would have wanted to do it thousands of years ago and the species would have died out by now and you and I wouldn't be standing here having this conversation. But of course, I, I can't say that. But I do believe that because breastfeeding is supposed to be a pleasure, not a pain. We humans are pre-programmed to want to do things that we enjoy and avoid things that we don't enjoy. So what am I going to do with this woman who actually believes that breastfeeding is painful? And how can I tell her that although her friend had pain, it's not a sure shot that she will have pain? But as long as we have friends and family telling other women that breastfeeding is painful, women will shy away from it. But hear me out on this. Women who think this way are fighting their natural instincts to breastfeed their baby. When you feel yourself fighting that natural instinct, halt. Think about it. Let me tell you more about that natural instinct. You know, when a woman delivers a baby, watch what happens. The baby is born, and the mother immediately reaches out to bring the baby to her. Of course, most of us bring whatever we have in our arms, even if it's a box, to our torso, to our chest. And in this case, yes, the breasts are right there. We so very often talk about a babe in arms. Think about this. If the baby is in her arms, the baby is near her breasts. So the mother naturally has the baby near her breast. Even if the mother doesn't reach out for the baby, the baby has a primitive reflex called the stepping reflex. With this stepping reflex, the baby is able to kind of walk up to the breast. He uses his feet to propel himself up to the breast. I've seen this many times. They kind of dig in their feet. At the same time, the nipples are maximally averted on the mother 
and darkened immediately after birth, and hence it provides sort of a visual target for the baby. And speaking of the visual, can the baby see? Well, yes, of course. Of course he can see. He can see best at about 12 to 18 inches. And from where he was born to where he wants to go, from the perineum to the breast, is about how far? About 12 to 18 inches. So the baby knows exactly where he is going. He has the capability to see where he's going. And if given the chance, he will go to the breast and he will breastfeed. There are a couple of excellent videos, probably more than a couple of excellent videos on this one. I will tell you my very favorite one is called Delivery First Attachment, which is based on a brilliant study by Dr. Leonard Regard. If you go to my website, I will give you the link, or you can go directly, if you wish, to the link where it you can purchase it. It's at Getty's Productions. This is a wonderful, wonderful film. Dr. Regard did some enormously important work. I had the privilege to be able to teach with Dr. Regard for, I think it was in five different cities several years ago. Um, I think you'll be stunned to see how easily and how naturally a baby will find his way to the breast after he's born. Families, though, are very influential in a mother's decision to start breastfeeding or to stop. Mothers, in particular, are very influential. Now, I can tell you that in my family, any of us daughters would have been excommunicated from the family if we had ever been told, if we had ever told our mothers that we were going to formula feed. My mother breastfed her kids in the 1940s and 1950s when breastfeeding was considered inferior. In those days, it was thought that if you had enough money to formula feed, you wouldn't have any reason to breastfeed. And pretty much, the, mothers, the, the nurses told this to my mother. Luckily, she didn't listen to the nurses. My mother grew up in Italy. She had seen her mother, her sisters, her cousins, and everybody else on the block breastfeeding. Her family had shown her that breastfeeding was the social norm. So when the nurses in the hospital told her she should formula feed, she didn't understand. Oh, she spoke good English. She understood the words, but she didn't understand the concept. Formula seemed strange and foreign to her because she grew up in an environment where breastfeeding was the norm. So she was able to follow her natural intake, her natural instinct to breastfeed. I do stand by my story about how influential my mother was for me and my sisters, but I'm about to tell you that it's bigger than me or my mother or my family. There are several research studies out there which show how a mother's formula fed, that how if a mother has formula fed, whether it was breast or bottle, that is a major influence for whether she breastfeeds her own infant. There are several studies. So this feeding decision thing has an implication not just for this generation, but also for the next let me be quick to say that because a woman's mother didn't breastfeed doesn't mean that the woman can't breastfeed. I've known of many mothers who have breastfed their children very successfully, even if their mother formula fed a whole pack of kids some 30-odd years ago. Sometimes the mother's mother, I'm talking about the baby's grandmother here, is very supportive. Other times, not so much so. I remember very distinctly many years ago, being at my friend Sandy's house when her mother-in-law was there. Yeah, I know, mother-in-laws, mothers-in-law are always very mis maligned, but truly, I was ready to muzzle this mother-in-law. Every time the baby let a peep out of its mouth, the mother-in-law would say to my friend, you need to feed that baby, and she's not getting enough milk, and you're starving that baby, and don't you see she's hungry already? She just ate. I sat there, I didn't know what to say. And I watched my friend just ignore her mother-in-law. But trust me, a less confident woman would have buckled under the pressure. In reality, her baby was doing just fine. She was hungry every two to three hours, which is normal for a newborn. I saw a baby who was giving clear feeding cues 
at normal intervals and a mother who was responding appropriately to her baby's needs. I'll give you a few minutes to think about what I've just said here about the influence of families. And then I'll ask you to stay tuned for what's coming up. I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed. We'll be back right after this short break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading Conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed with Marie Biancuso. Before we took a break, I was talking about how mothers and other family members influence us. Now, I'd like to turn my attention to sisters, or maybe sisters and best friends. So how about sisters? Sisters are very influential. One woman told me that she weaned her baby when the baby was one year old because her sister said that's when babies were supposed to be weaned. The mother didn't want to wean her child at at age one year. She told me it didn't feel right to her. So let's think about this. What makes one year the magic number for when babies should be weaned? There is certainly no scientific literature to support that idea. There are actually no medical indications for weaning at one year. So where did this woman's sister get the idea that babies should be weaned at one year, as opposed to, say, 11 months or 13 months? Is there some substance to this one-year recommendation? No, it's pretty likely that this was just an arbitrary number that the sister pulled out of her head because she had heard it from someone else, and she probably weaned her kids when they were one year old. Understand now, I'm not criticizing the woman or her sister for weaning when the baby was one year old. The issue here is that the woman didn't feel that she or her baby were ready to wean at age one year, but she did it because her sister told her that babies needed to be weaned at one year old. The woman didn't follow her heart. She followed her sister's advice. She did not follow her natural instinct to breastfeed and continue continue breastfeeding. Sisters are very influential, as are best friends. In my life, my sister was always very influential. I can tell you with certainty that if my sister says to use this makeup or that nail polish, you can bet I'm going to use it. I consider her to be the authority on those matters. 
If my sister tells me to tightly wrap the pork roast in foil before putting it in the oven, I do it because she is my sister and she is the authority on those sorts of matters. If my other sister says that I need to block my garment after I knit it, I block the sweater or the vest or whatever it is I've made. She's my sister. I view her as having had lots of experience on those matters and consider her to be the authority, therefore. If she tells me that I need to wear a hat when I'm in Arizona, man, you can bet that I pack a big-brimmed hat. Can you tell I'm sitting in Arizona right this moment? I consider her to be the authority on those sorts of matters. Do you see where I'm going with this? Choosing makeup or nail polish or roasting pork or blocking knitted garments or wearing a hat in the scorching sun probably aren't life-altering decisions. But since my sister says these things, I consider them to be the authorities. And so I don't question their judgment or their opinion. We are all so very easily influenced by our sisters or perhaps our best friends or other women that we love and respect. Clearly, the woman with the one-year-old considered her sister to be an authority on the issue of weaning, and she followed her sister's advice and resisted her natural instincts to continue breastfeeding. So we need to be aware of how people influence us. Beyond families, we also need to look at these health care, quote, experts. Now, when I say that, I realize that many people view me as a healthcare expert. But I do believe that a reason why women tend to shy away from breastfeeding is that we healthcare people who work in hospitals tend to create too many rules about breastfeeding. I've probably forgotten most of the rules that the hospital, the doctor, or some other authority uh, told me to teach, love that word, teach these women. All of these rules ranged from you can't eat chocolate to you have to wash your nipples before you put the baby to breast and a slew of other rules that had no basis in science. But I was young and ignorant and assumed that such rules were based in truth. Now, there's nothing wrong with being young and ignorant. Surely I was. But at least I made the effort to find out the truth. So many people in the healthcare field didn't learn anything about breastfeeding during, the formal during their own formal education. They went into the field and merely reiterated what all of their older colleagues were saying, which was and is a serious problem because their older colleagues didn't have any science behind these rules either. Hence, the rules and the myths were passed from one generation to another. When I was in nursing school, I quickly realized that every new mother asked questions about feeding her baby, both the breastfeeding and the bottle-feeding mothers, too. And so as a student, I realized that I didn't have the answers. I did look it up in my textbook, but there was only a paragraph or so about breastfeeding, and that paragraph didn't begin to answer the questions I was still getting from mothers. So I asked my instructor for help. I still remember what she said. Oh, Marie, don't worry. Just there's only one thing you need to know. Tell the mothers, nurse the baby for two minutes on each breast at each feeding today, then five minutes tomorrow and 10 minutes the next day. Oh, I look back and realize that was the only, quote, instruction I had about breastfeeding while I was in nursing school. And that, quote, instruction was totally wrong, 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 wrong. One day, I woke up and realized that all of these silly rules that, gave women, that we gave to women about breastfeeding were exactly that, just a bunch of silly rules with no science behind them. Oddly, healthcare professionals have continued to preach that breast is best. But what they actually offer to women is often limited to the preaching. When the mother starts to experience difficulties, the mother turns to the people who are healthcare professionals and hopes for some answers. Often, the response really amounts to just more rules about what she should and should not do. And at some point, the woman is advised to just quit breastfeeding, largely because the healthcare professional doesn't know how to help women overcome the particular difficulty that's occurring at the moment. My wonderful friend, Debbie Bokar, told me something years and years and years ago, and I often repeat it. 
most breastfeeding problems are transient and solvable. Yes, most breastfeeding problems are transient and solvable. That's easy for me to say, but often difficult for mothers to believe. A new mother starts to have doubts about her ability to breastfeed, including her ability to fit breastfeeding into her life. And the healthcare team often presents breastfeeding as something for the elite few. And confused and beleaguered with self-doubts and a string of unanswered questions, women stop making their own choices. That's unfortunate. Now, I do believe that human milk could be classified as a miracle. But the act of breastfeeding does not require a miracle or any special extraterrestrial powers or some rare talent or an act of Congress or anything else. Most women can breastfeed. And at the risk of sounding redundant, I'll repeat what I said earlier. If women weren't capable of breastfeeding, the species would not have survived. The urge to breastfeed is probably instinctual. And the society in which we live has probably snuffed out that natural instinct. The act of actually breastfeeding is natural. But at least in this society, it's a learned art. Women need to be comfortable with the idea that they can do it. Women need to have strong role models. Women need to have support from their families and their friends. I hope that I've given you some insights about how families and healthcare providers have interfered with women's natural instincts. I'll ask you to stay tuned. When I come back, I'll talk to you about what the, the power that mothers have with what is a miracle fluid. We'll be back after this short break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. What does success mean to you? Is it being just like the person on the other side of the fence where the grass is supposedly greener? We harbor too many feelings of envy and suppressed anger targeted at others, and it's holding us back from our success. Tune in to Wealthy Thoughts with Richard Levy. Just by listening, you'll be empowered to make positive lifestyle changes to live the successful life that you deserve to live. Wealthy Thoughts can be heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with Marie Biancuso. Just before break... I was talking about those obstacles that interfere with our natural instinct to breastfeed. And now I'd like to move on to the idea that only the woman, only the mother, has a miracle fluid, a designer milk, an authentic gem, a custom-made source for well-being. Now, these days, most of us are looking for a miracle pill or a miracle cure for just about anything and everything. Honestly, I'd love to find a miracle cure for my gray hair, my fat hips, or my wrinkles around my eyes. 
Now, yeah, yeah, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, Marie, you could get your hair professionally colored. Or, Marie, you could go on this diet or that diet, or you could go to the gym for an hour every day, every day, etc. Or, Marie, there are all sorts of remedies these days for your wrinkles. Have you been living under a rock for the last two decades? And I'd say, no, no. I mean, I want something that is much more than a fix. I don't want to work for it. I don't want to pay for it. I want a mystical, magical, miraculous thing that is more analogous to a fountain of youth or something so that I can look and feel as great and as healthy as I did when I was 25 years old. Don't we all want that? I think we do. And I think that if you take your baby aside and ask him what he'd like, I think he'd say that he'd like to grow up having his every imaginable physical and emotional need met. I think he'd say that he wants to be protected from ear infections, gastrointestinal ailments, high blood pressure, obesity, cancer, diabetes, high cholesterol, and just about every other ailment that any of us could name. I think he'd say that he wants to feel safe and warm and loved and cherished. I think he'd say that he wants to have all the comfort food that he can eat without gaining excessive weight. I think he would say that he wants to fall asleep peacefully and wake up to a gourmet meal that is specially designed for him. Ooh, does this sound like something your baby would want? I think so. And the good news is, he can have it. Human milk is a miracle fluid that gives the baby all of those things and much more. Consider your milk to be designer milk, an authentic gem. Everywhere I go, I see women carrying coach handbags. I see women paying hundreds of dollars for shoes like Diane von Furstenberg or Stuart Weitzman shoes. I go in an airport and see women carrying Vera Bradley luggage. And I tuck my Bose headphones into my briefcase as I travel around the country giving my courses. You know, I taught a course last week and I asked how many people had a smartphone and every single person in the room raised their hands. Some people had their iPhone right in their hands when they raised it. What does this tell me? It tells me that people want designer brands. They want the best. So if you'd spend $500 on a pair of designer shoes, why would you give your baby formula? Formula, even the brand name formula, is, in a way, generic. In the sense that it's all pretty much an imitation. A knockoff at best. But certainly not designer anything. Do you like custom anything? I do. Now, I'm not a rich woman, but I'm here to tell you that I love my custom draperies. They're exactly what I wanted. They're gorgeous with the rest of my living room and my dining room decor. No one else on the face of the earth has draperies just like mine. They are truly unique. And that's how milk is. It is exactly what your baby needs. It goes exactly with everything that belongs to him. And better still... It's what your baby needs today or tomorrow or next week or next month or next year because the composition of milk changes to meet the baby's needs. That's custom, my friends. That's custom. Even my draperies aren't that custom. So what about gems? Honestly, if I weren't a nurse, I think I could have been a gemologist. I'm always very fascinated by gorgeous gems. I can't say that I have a lot of gems, but I do appreciate those that I have. I have a lovely diamond engagement ring, a magnificent pearl, uh, pair of pearl earrings, a simple but lovely double strand of malachite beads. They're real. They're real. Do you think for one moment that I would be as happy with a cubic zirconia engagement ring? No, not at all. Because I want the real thing. I want the authentic gem. And anything less than real, or anything less than the real deal, is fake, period, just fake. So I won't wear a fake gem. If I think that fake things aren't good enough for me, why would I give my baby a fake anything? As the mother, you are the only person on the planet who comes fully equipped 
to give your baby this authentic gem, this miracle fluid, this designer milk that is custom-made as the source of life and good health for another human being. Now, let me repeat that. You're the only person who can give your baby that quality of milk. True, the milk of another woman is also excellent, but it isn't designed for your baby. You have this mind-boggling opportunity to give your baby an authentic gem, a miracle fluid, a custom designer milk, a custom-made source of life and good health. Why would you relinquish that opportunity? Let me offer you a reason. Because you don't think you can do it or because someone else has told you you can't do it. But you must stand firm. You must believe that this decision on how you do this is yours and yours alone. You are the only person that can give your baby this milk. But there's one small hitch. You have to believe you can do it. My friend Helen once told me what she says another uh, to mothers, and I say this as well. Are you worried that you won't make enough milk? Make milk? You made a baby. That's the hard part. You can make milk. I'm not big into psychology, but I really do believe that when we start to think about what we can't do, we start telling ourselves that, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You can do it. You must do it. You must believe you can do it. You have the power to determine your child's future well-being, not just for today or tomorrow, not just for a year or two, but forever. Don't deprive yourself of that. Don't give up that power, and don't let anybody else take that power away from you. Follow your instincts. Don't let anyone tell you that you're a piece of faulty equipment. Shut down those negative messages that are inside of you and those negative messages that come from others. Breastfeeding is for mothers in the trenches, not for the elite few, and for their babies. Babies weren't born to put up with fakes or frauds or knockoffs. Babies were born to be breastfed. That's all the time we have today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening to Born to be Breastfed. Please feel free to visit my website at www.borntobebreastfed.com. I'm Marie Biancuto, and I promise to help you to cut through the myths, clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuto next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.